Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Unnecessary Roughness in your ear hole for the next three hours. My man, Damon Cotton. A.K.A. Demond the Boss is behind the wheels of steel. Your boy Q going to rock with you for the next three hours. And it's a kind of weird day today in Las Vegas. It's actually raining in some of the valley right now. I uh, I saw on Twitter that it's it's raining in the Henderson area. So if you're out there and you're driving around listening to the radio right now, be careful. You know how it is when the grounds get wet for the first time in a very long time. And trust me, it's been a very long time since the ground has been wet. Uh, it gets a little slippery out there. So if you're driving around... Be careful, and uh, if it's not raining where you're at, well, then never mind. But uh, it's not raining here at the radio station, but I've seen a lot of different tweets, seen a lot of different uh, videos of uh, not only just rain, but pretty heavy rain and uh, pretty heavy wind and some thunderstorms and all that. So, like I said, definitely be careful out there on the roads because, well, you just got to be careful out there on the roads. We got a lot to get to on today's show. Very excited about it as we are each and every day. Again, excited to be back in the home studio and uh, some really good guests that we got coming up on the show today. We'll continue with our training camp two-a-days. Stacy Joe Ross, she'll uh, start us off at 2.30. She covers uh, Seattle sports for Seattle Sports 710, and she'll talk all things Seattle Seahawks. And what a what a weird, strange year for the Seahawks, right? I mean, training camp hasn't even started, but you just kind of have to figure that there's got to be a weird season for them. I mean, they're actually opening up a new era of Seahawks football. And I say that like it's been 20 or 30 years of Russell Wilson, which it hasn't. But still, I mean, ever since Russell Wilson's been in Seattle, they've had a pretty solid team. Obviously, they went won the Super Bowl. They went to the Super Bowl, should have won. It didn't. But they've been a pretty sticking good team. And you feel like any time that they had Wilson out there, they had an opportunity to win games. Now they're going to open up a training camp without Russell Wilson. It's going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith or other. It's going to be weird. The one thing I want to get a touch on the fan base, because what's that feeling of when you know that it's over and people are looking at your team is like you guys are tanking. Right. Or like you guys are bad. And I just, just, you know, the thing is, is I can't see Pete Carroll as a guy that, and I say it in air quotes, wants to tank. Right. I mean, he's on what, 71 years old. I mean, the guy. I mean, the, coach in the league. Yeah, I mean, the guy doesn't want to sit out there and, and win a handful of games and get a really good draft pick. He don't care about that. And, of course, the players don't either. You know, they don't want to go out there and, and, and lose games and, and, and play for a draft pick. So uh, I know that players hate that. And, of course, uh, Pete Carroll's going to hate that as well. I, I just don't, I don't see what the plan is. And, look, we're not there. We don't cover the team every day, so we don't know. Maybe there is a plan that we just don't know about, and that's why we'll have Stacey Joe Rost on. And uh, it, it's just... Again, it's it's really strange, and knowing that that's also going to be the first game of the regular season, Monday Night Football, the Broncos and the Seahawks, and Russell Wilson returns to town. Could you imagine if the Broncos go to Seattle and just torch them? How mad that fan base is going to be? I mean, I don't I don't think that they're going to torch them. They they they'll probably win that game because again, they have Drew Locke and Geno Smith as their quarterback right now. So Denver will probably win that game. But man, I can only imagine what that fan base will feel like. They're going to be so angry. So angry. They're going to be so angry, but I've already, I'm already pre-annoyed with Russell Wilson and how cheesy he's going to be with his thank you Seattle stuff and 
you know, I don't know if you're like with that with Russell Wilson, but sometimes yeah. he, he lays it on extra thick. Yeah, oh, he and does. I, and he I'm, does. And I just, I just, the video package, all the thank yous. He's going to tear up before the game. I, oh yeah, I he's going to place he's, a bet on that. He's mm. going to go through all the emotions. He's going to talk about this, that, and the other. He's going to say all the right things. But I'll tell you what, when he gets out there on that field, he's going to want to show them a little something, something too. Oh yeah. In, inside, it's funny. Outside. He's going to say all the right things. Inside, he's going to be like Earl Thomas when he was carted off the field after he broke his leg uh, in Seattle and he flipped off the sideline. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what Russell Wilson is going to be doing on the inside. He ain't going to do that out so you can see it, but that's what he's thinking on the inside. Not to the fans, but to the coaching staff, especially Pete Carroll. And then that being the first game of the season, it's going to be a real good marker for the Seahawks because, you know, people think that the Broncos are going to be good. I'm not saying that that's going to define the season. Right. You know, it's one of those weird things. The first game of the season is going to mean two different things. For the Broncos, hey, man, they still got room to improve. It's Russell Wilson's first game. Right. But the Seahawks, depending on how they look, it could be like, hey, man, everybody was right. It could be a sign of what's yeah. about to come. Like, hey, by the way, those quarterbacks, they do stink. There's a reason why uh, Denver wanted to get rid of uh, Drew Locke and wanted to bring in Russell Wilson because that guy is no good. And there's a reason why Geno Smith hasn't been anything since he's been in the league except for a qualified backup. Maybe maybe qualified at times. There's been times where he looks like he's very unqualified. You know what I mean? He just hasn't looked like he fit the job. But we'll get all things Seattle Seahawks coming up at 2.30 with Stacey Joe Ross as we uh, continue with our training camp two-a-days with the Raiders training camp getting started next week. Getting excited about that. Of course, the rookies report on the 18th and the veterans on the 20th. And in between all that, you're going to have the battle for Vegas going down at the Las Vegas ballpark on the 18th. The Raiders and the Golden Knights, of course, as Team Riley Smith and Team Josh Jacobs. And Team Josh Jacobs has Marshawn Lynch. I keep going back to that because I think it's going to be a lot of fun just to see him out there Monday night at Las Vegas Ballpark. We will be broadcasting this show, Unnecessary Roughness, live from the Las Vegas Ballpark. So make sure you get out there. Get out there early. Come by, say what's up, and uh, enjoy a good softball game, charity softball game. And as soon as that thing is over, basically it's like, okay, all right, Raiders, it's time to get to work. Basically, I mean, that's basically the last thing that they really have to do before it's time to go full throttle. End of summer break. Yeah, this is the end of the like that little yeah. vacation time that, that OTA mini yeah. camp phase. I guess that's camp. what you can call it, right? The end of summer break when it's really uh, the beginning of 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 summer work, right? I mean, it's like the end of summer break, but the beginning of summer work. That's just how you're going to look at it. So uh, again, we'll catch up with all things Seattle Seahawks coming up at two thirty at three o'clock. Adam Rank from NFL Network. He'll join the show to talk all things silver and black. He'll be talking about. Uh, uh, what he has listed as far as their rankings go on uh, on on uh, NFL.com. He's got a whole lot going on. So uh, Adam Rank will join the show coming up at 3 o'clock. Again, uh, he has a, a Super Bowl or bus piece going on. He has a whole lot of other stuff going on on NFL Network. And uh, that's, that's coming up at 3 o'clock. At 3.30, we'll have Cover 3 NFL news and notes of the day. It's just kind of what's going on around the NFL, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you up on, on the date with that. And there's a lot of players in the league that are are not getting their franchise tags taken care of and not getting their, uh, their money taken care of. And so uh, there's a lot going on in the NFL. We'll catch up with that coming up at 3 o'clock. And then at 4 o'clock, we'll continue with our training camp two-a-days. Greg Beecham from the AP, he'll join us to talk all things LA Rams, another team up on the Raiders' schedule. And uh, so we'll like to get a good preview of that. Again, that's coming up at 4 p.m. here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio at 920. We're going to take a quick break. I don't know what the hell's going on here, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, We have a lot going on here at the station, a lot in the studio. We'll come right back. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Bro, Q, let me do, do me a favor, bro. Hey, you know, call wifey into the room and say, hey, babe, can you bring me one of those mirrors you have in the bathroom, you know, when you put your makeup on? I want you to look at it. 
Look at yourself. You the old 45, bro. <laughs> I'm the young 45, man. So that, there's a difference. You talking about old. I don't know what the difference is between 45 and 45, brother. I don't know the difference between the nah, old and the young. You, nah, I mean, you turned 46 before I turned 46. So you the old 45. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. All right, we're going to try this again. 12 minutes into the show, we apologize for any kind of issues that we had to start off the show. Apparently, everybody's got to be babysat, and so we had to do that to start the show. Now we'll start it again. Coming up at 2.30, Stacey Joe Ross from Seattle Sports 710 talking all things Seattle Seahawks. 3 o'clock, Adam Rank from NFL Network. I'm excited about this interview. Coming up at 3 with Adam. He put out a really good piece on the Raiders when the schedule came out. He says they're going to go 12-5. and five. Thinks Derek Carr's in the MVP conversation. Really good thing. While I'm trying to explain that Adam Rank's going to come on the show, all hell breaks loose at the radio station. So I apologize, but there is absolutely no way we, could, we can continue on. So Adam Rank comes up at 3 o'clock. Incredible. 4 o'clock, Greg Beecham from the AP. He'll join the show to talk all things Rams. Training camp two-a-days continue. Have a, believe me, we have a really good show planned for you if we can execute it. I mean, do you have any idea what happened, Devon? All I know is all hell just broke loose in the radio station. Hugh, that's one of the things about uh, you being the boss. People come to you with all their problems. I was trying right to look to see. Right in the middle of me talking on the radio. And I was completely in the dark. I know. We, we That's the problem both of us were. You know what I thought was wrong? I started looking. I was like, are we off the air? That's we what must I, be off the air. That's what I He's thought, too. He's coming in to say, you idiots. And I was like, that's, oh, Damon, you did it again. That's what I thought, too. I thought, or else because <laughs> of the weather, I thought, okay, maybe something happened. Because I don't know if you remember when Toby the intern was in and he was running the yeah, ball one day. Yeah, We just went silent for like 10 seconds. And right. there is no, it's just a complete mystery what happened to those 10 seconds radio. And I was like, dang it, it happened again. Well, I'll tell you what. I can't tell you what happened to the first 12 minutes of this of this show. But it all went to hell. Tell you that much. Now everyone in the radio station's on alert. <laughs> Calling security that we ain't got. <laughs> People looking at, hey, is he okay? Right. He good? No. <laughs> no, he is not. But excited about the show. Can't wait to really actually dive into it and get into it. Training camp is right around the corner. It's coming up next week. Excited about everything that happens there just to see the, the team start to get put together. So we got our training camp two-a-days. We got Adam Rank. Uh, we'll hear some of JT the Bricks' interview with uh, the new president of the Raiders, Sandra Douglas Morgan. A few sound bites we'll play from her. Just a couple. Just a couple highlights that I took away from that interview I thought was really good. She's been making her rounds. She was on Good Morning America. She's been on NBC. I mean, she's been on some good, you know, some good little platforms and everything. And, and, and I'm glad. I'm happy for her. I really am. I think it's awesome. I've said it a thousand times that I think that the direction that the the team as an organization is going is good. They just got to go in and one on the football side of things, put it together, and everything on the business side of things, put it together. And I do believe they have the right people in place to go ahead and do that. So now that you finally know the, the guest that we have coming up on the show today, let's go ahead and get into it, get into the opening drive. 
The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now, you know, every single day they've been rolling out on ESPN.com, they've been rolling out these, uh, you know, top 10 list, and we talked about a lot about Derek Carr, we talked about the running back position, uh, we talked about multiple different positions, right? And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. Of course, wide receivers was yesterday with Devontae Adams coming in at number one, not a surprise. I knew today when they rolled out the tight ends, Darren Waller was going to be in the top three. I mean, there was no doubt about it. He was either going to be one, two, or three. Didn't think he was going to be number one, but just knew he was going to be in the top three. So it was no surprise to me when he came at number three. You know, George Kittle was one, Travis Kelsey two, and Darren Waller three. That did not surprise me at all. And the only reason I'm even bringing this up, because I actually was going to save this for cover three and just bring it up as a little side note, because, again, I didn't think it was a real big deal. But what I did find to be a big deal, as I round out the list for you real quick, Mark Andrews from Baltimore, four. Kyle Pitts, he was a rookie last year with Atlanta. He's number five. Dallas Goddard from uh, the Eagles is six. Seven, you got uh, TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. Dalton Schultz in number eight with the Cowboys. By the way, he's a franchise tag holder. Just go ahead and remember that. Dawson Knox from Buffalo is nine. And number 10 is Hunter Henry of the Patriots, formerly of the Chargers. So, okay, what's the big deal? Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Darren Waller, we know what Darren Waller brings to the table. You know, I mean, he had a... Uh, uh, injury had a few injuries last season, so he obviously didn't be able to play the whole season. But uh, basically, for what they say about Darren Waller's 2021 production was unspectacular, due in part to ankle and knee injuries. It cost him six games, 55 catches, 665 yards, and two touchdowns. Waller was well on pace from his from uh, 2019 to 2020 when he averaged nearly 100 catches and 1,200 yards per year. That's simple. That's simple. But then they go. The numbers don't tell the whole story with Waller, whose presence on the depth chart keeps defensive coaches restless. He is in the prime, his most dangerous matchup tight end in the NFL behind Kelsey. Josh McDaniel's offense is expected to feature Waller early and often in year one. Okay, so that's that's all well and, well and good. You know, uh, he's a guy that I expect to get a contract, some kind of contract extension at some point. That's where the rest of this list comes in place because he's expected, in my opinion, to get a contract extension, get some guaranteed money, get something at some point, right? That's what I'm expecting. So as I'm going down the list, I got to the top 10. I said, okay, well, who's the honorable mentions? Mike Jacecki from Miami, franchise tag holder, has not signed his deal. Um, Pat uh, Firemuth from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was an honorable mention. Zach Ertz from the Cardinals, he was an honorable mention. And then I get to the last honorable mention. And this is where all of a sudden it caught my attention. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. David Njoku is the final honorable mention when it comes to tight ends. Honorable mention. And I remember when the... Cleveland Browns gave him that franchise tag. Remember when they hit him with the franchise tag? And I said, for what? He hasn't really done a whole lot in his career, and he still has not done a whole lot in his career. But he did already sign his contract extension, and I remember right when he signed that contract extension, we all came in here and said, oh, boy, if he signed that kind of extension, what kind of money is Darren Waller going to get? Remember, he was just ranked third among the top ten tight ends. David Njoku was the last honorable mention, and he just signed a four-year, $54.75 million extension in the offseason. So, you think about that. He was a franchise tag holder. Jacecki is a franchise tag holder who is an honorable mention. And then also from Dallas, Dalton Schultz, who is a franchise tag holder, hasn't signed his, uh, his franchise tag yet either, is, in, is number eight. All those guys, franchise tag holders, are all well below, not even close, well below Darren Waller. So as you start thinking about what he could possibly be in line for, for a contract extension, you realize these guys, 
A franchise tag for one year is almost $11 million. Darren Waller is going to get what? Seven this year? And none of it's guaranteed? That franchise tag one year is almost $11 million, and that's fully guaranteed. So I just, I just wanted to point that out as you think about what he could be possibly asking for, what his agents could be possibly asking for as they're working on a contract. Now, he is under contract for two more years, but he has no guaranteed money. I always say I never get mad at players that want to go get their money because we all know in this sport, you know, you're one play away. If I'm Darren Waller, and this is just me, maybe someone feels differently. If I'm Darren Waller and I see all these franchise tag holders way below me, and I know that a top 10 list doesn't define my contract, I get that. But if I see all these guys below me and I see the money that the last honorable mention got, the last honorable mention, I'm like, hey, man, we got to get this done. We got to get something done. When it comes to the yearly average of what the tight ends are making, I'm on Spotrack right now. Yep. Darren Waller wouldn't even qualify just of the quantity of what the, so what's that 14 tight ends they have on this list, right. including honorable mentions. Yep. Darren Waller wouldn't even be on the list when it comes to the highest paid tight ends. Exactly. Just off what they're making this year going into the season. Exactly. And that's exactly why I wanted to highlight this. I, again, I wasn't going to start with the top 10 list because I don't disagree with any of it. Right. I don't think there's any big surprise when we knew tight ends were going to be announced today. We're like, yeah, Darren Waller. He'll be there. No problem. Just like we knew Devontae Adams was going to be there yesterday. Now, I didn't realize Devontae was going to be number one, but cool. Darren Waller at number three and all these other high-priced guys well below him. Not just like right next to him, but well below him. And they're, and they're holding out. I mean, that's the other thing about it. Maybe that helps in negotiations. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe if these guys that are holding out that are, that are currently sitting on their franchise tag, maybe if they sign long-term deals, it would muddy the water a little bit more for his contract extension. But either way, these guys are going to get, once they sign their, their franchise tag, they're going to get at least $11 million just about fully guaranteed. Darren Waller has nothing fully guaranteed for the next two seasons. You tell me something ain't got to change? Something's going to change. <laughs> something's going to change quick, fast, and in a hurry. So I just wanted to point that out and just go ahead and put it in the back. You Just remember that. Just remember that when we're thinking about what could possibly be down the line. And Darren Waller is doing all the right things, in my opinion. Showed up to OTAs, mandatory minicamp. He's, I'm sure he'll be there come Tuesday or come Wednesday when they're supposed to when they're supposed to report for training camp. I have no doubt he'll be there, ready to rock and roll. He's been saying he's trying to learn the playbook, get ready for a, a big time season. He has the potential to have a big time season, but I feel like there's got to be something that's got to get done, right? You never. He was on. Which, I don't forget which podcast he was on recently, and he was talking about that. You know the evolving position of tight. Oh end. yeah, that was Chris Long's. Yeah, that Chris, was Chris the Green Line yep. podcast. Yep. Yes, and then you know it's like so the pay's got to change, and I'm looking at it right now. George Kittle, he's sitting atop the tight end position at 15 million a year, and mm-hmm. it's just. And I think Darren Waller. You can look at the list and say, well, well, Kittle should deserves to be the best because he's da 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 da, but 15 million should be the asking price. Because we always say the next guy is in line. You set up the next guy to get paid, you know? Right, yeah. When we look at the quarterbacks. Yep. So that means that someone else, now he's going to ask for $41 million if someone else is now a $40 million quarterback. Right. So for Darren Waller, $15 million is the starting point. I mean, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you. I mean, I really couldn't. You know, we had John McClain on weeks ago, and I asked him what he thought was going to happen. He said he thought that Waller was going to end up becoming one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. I didn't think that. I thought, and this is what I've been saying, and I feel like, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm wrong. I've been saying that I felt like they were going to give him some guaranteed money to, to satisfy him. I start looking at that and start looking at those the, the, the rankings and realizing what the rest of the league thinks about Darren Waller, even though I knew that you know everyone thought that he was a really good tight end. But I think that, I think that he's about to get paid. I, I think he needs to get paid. 
Our guy Quick hit us up on uh, Twitter. Q-Ball, how can we pay Waller if he's coming off a season like last year? It's a what-have-you-done-lately league. I'm not trying to hear about Waller getting paid. Ball out, get paid. It's that simple. Okay. I mean, that's fair. And, and you know what? The Raiders organization could say that if they want to. Hey, man, you're coming off a season that was down. Just go ahead and have a big season, and, and we'll pay you. They could. Hell, they don't have to do anything, to be 100% honest. I mean, he's not, it's not like he's not under contract. He is under contract for the next two years. I just don't think that that's going to happen like that. I'm just trying to be realistic, right? I mean, that's, it's, not like, it's not like we see contracts in pro sports and it's like, oh, hey, everyone's honoring their contracts. Teams don't honor the contracts. Players don't honor contracts. Contracts are barely worth the paper that they're written on these days, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, you could take that approach. I just don't think that that's the best way to approach this situation. And I think that it, with the production that he's had and with what you know that could be coming down the pipeline, it's better to pay him now. Then wait, because if he balls out, like you say, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just trying to, you know, give the other side of the, of the conversation. If he balls out, like you say, then what does he do going into the offseason? You said ball out, get paid. Now pay me. Now I don't want to be top five. I want to be number one. Then you would look at what? Uh, top one, two, three, as far as wide receiver, high paid quarterback. Because if Waller balls out, and Adams balls out, and Renfro balls out, that means Carr balled out. And that means that his contract's going to continue to go, right? I mean, there's a lot to, to go in, into play here. I really honestly think that something's got to happen pretty quick, fast, in a hurry. This is just my, my opinion. Something's got to happen when it comes to his contract and his contract extension. He's got to get something done, uh, especially when you look at that list. Again, man, I, <laughs> similar to what I said about Christian Kirk messing it up for the rest of the league, you know what I mean? When, and not him in particular, but when Jacksonville gave Christian Kirk that money, Cleveland messed it up when they gave Deshaun Watson that money because the rest of the league now all of a sudden has to pay their quarterbacks. Like Baltimore's in a situation with Lamar Jackson. Cleveland also messed it up when they gave David Njoku, one, the franchise tag, but also a boatload of money. He was the last honorable mention. Like the last of the Mohicans. He was the last one. That's even an honorable mention, and he just got paid $54 million something million over the four, next four years. And that, that puts him in the top five, number five <laughs> in highest-paid tight ends. That makes me laugh. And I'm glad, hey, if I'm David Njoku, man, I'm doing backflips. Like, hey, man, I, don't get mad at me, and I'm not. I'm not. I wish someone would grossly <laughs> overpay me, right? <laughs> I really would. I wish someone would be like, you gave him that? I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that because, hey, look, I'm still going to the bank. Yeah, you remember how people would say, oh, you can't pay the athletes too much too soon right. or they're not going to work hard for it? He is that example of just like, all I got to do is come in and do <laughs> this much work. Right. And y'all paying me this much? For... Why? What's the incentive to work harder for David Njoku? Man, he's already made it. Man. <laughs> he's already made it. And again, big ups to his agents. Big ups to him. And Cleveland, they've been rolling out money like it's Pez, man. They're like the Pez machine. You know, Who's the little... defensive back that they also paid? I mean, I can't think of the name right now. But they also paid a defensive back oh, this offseason. Uh, Ward. Yes. The Denzel Ward. Yeah, they paid him. Of course, uh, Miles Garrett's already been paid. They brought back Jadavion Clowney. Look, I guess they are they must have, like, Monopoly money over something. They're printing money. You know, I, I thought Las Vegas printed money. Uh, they, they have a little mini Vegas out back or something because they're printing money as well. Denzel Ward, $100 million, highest paid cornerback in the league. Boom. There it is right there. They're just dishing out money like it's going out of style. Coming up next, Stacey Joe Ross. She'll join the show to talk all things Seattle Seahawks as we continue with our training camp two-a-days here on Radio Nation Radio 920. 
That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got a tweet from my guy Aaron. He said, Q, you could definitely see the drop-off of talent after the top five of the tight end list. I think you have to pay Waller top dollar because it's not easy to find the production that he put up. Pay the man in all capital letters. We were talking about uh, the top 10 list as far as tight ends go. Darren Waller came in at number three, and the one that really stood out to me was David Njoku, who just got paid, was the last of the honorable mentions. We'll get back to some more conversation about that, but right now it's time to jump into our training camp two-a-days. It's time for another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days. As your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders' 2022 regular season schedule here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. To help us talk all things Seattle Seahawks, we have Stacy Joe Ross from Seattle Sports 710 from uh, Stacy and Bump. And Stacy, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's great to catch up with you again and talk a little Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, it's, it's got to be strange with training camp right around the corner for Seattle. And I mentioned it at the top of the show, it's a new era there in Seattle. Yeah. How, how does that feel, especially for Seahawks fans? It's very weird. I'm going to sound spoiled rotten. I already know it. Any of your <laughs> listeners are going to be like, this girl. But I have never covered... Uh, a really bad team. <laughs> I started. Oh. Uh, I started in Seattle. I know. I know. I know. Uh, now I did go to Washington, where we had a winless season. So you know, I've been a Mariners fan my whole life. They haven't made the playoffs for twenty years, so I know pain. Okay. But uh, my my professional career has been covering, um, starting with the NFL with the Seahawks in twenty fourteen. That was Super Bowl forty nine, and then they kind of bounced back from that and see where they can go from that. So I've covered them not making the playoffs, but they've always been in it, and you always are right when you have a quarterback. So. For the very first time in my professional career, I'm covering a, uh, a Seahawks team without Russell Wilson. It already feels different. You, it, it feels a little different already. Oh, I bet. I have no doubt about it. It's still kind of strange to me to see Russell Wilson and Sierra hanging out in Denver and doing their things. And then, you know, seeing Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith and realizing that right now those are the two options at the quarterback position. Right. So, I mean, does the fan base have any kind of, like, oh, that's a good guy right there or, or a pick yeah. that they want out of those twos or is it just whatever? It's just whatever. You know what's really weird is um, Russell Wilson started to – where did this start? Russell Wilson's reputation in Seattle among some fans will always be golden. And there are fans that don't personally like him that recognize he's the best quarterback this franchise has ever had, as they should because he is. Um, but I would say his reputation in Seattle started out as Russell Wilson can do no wrong. Everyone and their mom has a Russell Wilson jersey to Russell Wilson's only in it for money. And some of that's problematic, right? Some of it is when athletes start to advocate for themselves or advocate to get money, there's always going to be people that are, like, weirdly resentful of it. Then there's the thing with, you know, you marry a celebrity and there's, there's like, kind of sexism that comes along with that and kind of thinking that, you know, she's Hollywood or he's too Hollywood, where it's, like, the Russell Wilson that, that the full NFL sees now has always been who he is. Like, the Russell Wilson you see now is always who Russell Wilson was. People just thought, like, oh, he's a third-round pick. He's so humble. But, like, he has always been almost weirdly professional and very, very meticulous with how he presents himself, um, everything from wanting to know every single person who's in the club or the clubhouse, the, uh, the locker room and, and all the reporters. I mean, he's very particular and very careful. Um, but 
I think that it really, really came to a head with the comment, the Adam Schefter report, right, of his agent coming out saying, Russell Wilson hasn't asked for a trade, but if he wanted one, <laughs> here's where he'd accept a trade to. That kick-started everything. So what you're seeing now, this is a long, drawn-out way of kind of giving context to what you're seeing now. People should know that Geno Smith isn't the answer. Like, they should know that Drew Locke isn't the answer, but... I think what you've had brewing for about a year and a half now is this kind of weird resentment of, like, what's life without Russell like? Maybe they should try that out. And so people are looking to Gino and looking to Drew and kind of buying this idea that I think is misguided, personally, um, that you don't need a good quarterback to win. And I think what you see more often than not is uh, that even with a good quarterback like a Ryan Tannehill, you need a great one to win mm-hmm. even more than that because Ryan Tannehill obviously cost his team with three interceptions in the playoffs, even though they were a number one seed with one of the best wide receivers and one of the best running backs in all of football. So uh, you do need that guy. And I think that Seattle has been, uh, I love Seattle. I love my city a little spoiled when it comes to that here. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I know one way to get humbled real quick. <laughs> yeah. <good luck. laughs> yeah. Roll out a quarterback that's not worth the salt, and you'll realize, hey, you know what? Life wasn't too bad with Russell Wilson. How about Pete Carroll? I mean, this guy, I was talking about at the beginning of the show, he's not a guy that's looking to rebuild. I mean, he's always the up-tempo, chewing on the gum. Yeah. You know, he's, he's older, but you wouldn't know he's older. What has his mood been like? He's really, dude, I, you know what, Pete Carroll is the most unique person I've ever covered in all of sports, and I have covered Marshawn Lynch. Like, <laughs> I would say the two are up there in terms of just, like, what world is this person from? But, like, this guy eats, like, a plant-based diet so he can stay young. He runs across the field in training camp. He um, he has, like, a just a, a very quick response. He's quick-witted. He's He's clever. He's um, he's very careful with word choice, which you'll notice in press conferences, like kind of in a sneaky way where you're like, oh, he was alluding to this trade. Um, he's a unique guy, but he, as you said, he doesn't like to lose. It's not in his DNA. Um, it's actually something that him and Russell, for you know whatever uh, differences they might have had in their philosophy of how to win, had in common. They're both obsessed with winning and can't think of life without winning. And so there is no tanking for the Seahawks this year. And so that's what makes the decision to go with with Drew and with Gino really interesting because I have to believe, I have to believe that either Pete Carroll believes that Gino and Drew are the answer, which I think he thinks that they can manage a game. What I, what I really think it is is that Pete Carroll truly believes that they have a lot of really special talent on this roster that the rest of the league hasn't seen yet. That's what I think rolling with Drew and Gino says about how Pete Carroll sees the team. Talking all things Seattle Seahawks right now with Stacey Joe Ross from Seattle Sports 710. Stacey and Bob is the name of the show. We got the training camp two-a-days going on. My man DeMond's going to kick us off. Yes, Stacey, because we all hear the national perspective for this team. It's just that quarterback battle. And you mentioned to some mm-hmm. of that talent that they have. So what's the biggest positive for this Seahawks team going into training camp? For two best position groups, and it will not surprise you guys at all, is safety and wide receiver. I mean, DK Metcalf is exceptional. Tyler Lockett, I still think one of the most underrated receivers in the league, comes down with every catch, makes contested catches all the time. Um, At safety, they've got Quandre Diggs, another, I think, underrated safety. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jamal Adams, who I wouldn't say is underrated. I would say he's been underutilized. He's dealt with shoulder injuries and back-to-back seasons to the same shoulder, had to have back-to-back surgeries as well. So, he has yet to play fully healthy in Seattle, which is kind of an interesting kind of twist and layer to his tenure in Seattle that isn't always talked about. Um, he's coming off of surgery. He wasn't participating too much in minicamp, but should be on track to return by training camp. At least they're expecting him to. He won't be super active, right? He's a veteran. You want to keep healthy. But 
they brought in some new members of the defensive coaching staff, both of whom uh, are kind of from the Chicago Vic Fangio background that really, really excel specifically in how to use safeties. So Pete Carroll's defense has always been this kind of cover three zone defense. I think you're going to see a little bit of a shift in the way that not only they play as a whole with uh, running out kind of a more 3-4 base defense as opposed to 4-3, which it's been in the entirety of Pete Carroll's tenure, um, but also in the way that they're using Jamal Adams. I'd love to see them use him more in the box. It's where he excels. Mm-hmm. I think last year they tried to put him in coverage more because they needed to. They still have those question marks in coverage. They still have young and experienced cornerbacks, and they're looking to be better than the 31st-ranked pass defense, which they were last year and the year before. But they can't afford to turn to Jamal Adams to try to fix that when he is so exceptional in the box. So right. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them turn to that again. Yeah, no, that's where Jamal Adams thrives. I mean, you put him up there yeah. by the line of scrimmage, he's going to be the dude. But, Stacy, you said something that really stood out to me. And, you know, when you talk about the wide receivers, it's easy to talk about DK Metcalf. He's the guy who's about to get a big contract extension. He's the big-time playmaker. But, uh, you know, talking about Tyler Lockett, I remember him coming out of K-State. I was covering the Big mm-hmm. 12. And he was really, when he got to Seattle, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was really a special teams guy, right? Yes. Kick return, yep. punt return, he was that dude. And all of a sudden, he's He's just evolved himself and continued to get better. How much growth have you seen from the minute he arrived there in Seattle to where he's at now? It's unreal. It's unreal. I think, you know, what's weird is Tyler Lockett's kind of always, I mentioned Russell Wilson always being this way. I remember interviewing Tyler Lockett as a rookie, and I asked him a question that didn't mean to trip him up, but it was, it was a question that was kind of funny, and the rookie in the wrong mindset might have said the wrong thing. And once I asked it, I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't say the wrong thing. And he was completely professional. It was like media training 101, and I was relieved after the fact. But also just thought, like, man, this kid is, what, 22 years old, so professional, so calm, his demeanor so low-key, and he's still exactly that person. And I think that his demeanor and kind of like his temperament, just a chill guy, has allowed him, I don't know if that plays into his ability to know where the quarterback is at all times or just kind of zone out and and read things in ways that um you know some other receivers can't but it does like it, it, he's skilled in different ways Doug Baldwin who was his predecessor and a big mentor to him was amazing at getting off the line I mean that guy was so quick and so shifty another underrated receiver Tyler Lockett's better in in a different way he can jump higher than you think he can he has a wider catch radius than you think he does he can make contested catches even though he's undersized it's like everything you think he can't do he can. And despite being in the league for this long, people still underestimate that. All right, Stacey, after hearing that, I do think that the Seahawks got one of the best ones who punches at receiver. <laughs> but moving on <laughs> to the negatives, besides the quarterback battle, what's a big negative for the Ooh. Seahawks team? Well, they're going to be looking to improve that pass defense, and it's not going to be easy without any tested veteran depth at corner. I'm telling you guys right now, we aren't entering training camp just yet. I know this is what your preview is. I have no idea who their starting cornerbacks would be. Like, I have no idea. And – this is considering that they've been a defense where you've always had at least one penned in. It was Richard Sherman, then it was Shaquille Griffin, and, uh, and now you don't know. They might have, um, you know, uh, Trey Brown, who's a promising young rookie, but he's coming off of an ACL tear. I don't expect him to be participating in training camp. I think you're going to be looking potentially at two new starters. It could be Artie Burns on one side, a veteran they brought in. They might play a little bit with uh, starting Sidney Jones, another veteran there. And on the other side, it's going to be either a second-year player coming off a torn ACL in Trey Brown or a rookie, Kobe Bryant, who uh, played opposite Sauce Gardner at Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. He's a fourth-round pick, talented, obviously didn't go as high as his counterpart. He's got a different skill set, but 
he's got a really high football IQ. Um, my my co-host Michael Bumpus was out at OTAs, out at training camp. He's really high on Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. but potential is one thing, and and performance is another. So we have yet to see the latter from him because, frankly, he hasn't had a chance. I like Kobe Bryant too. I do. I mean, I was a big yeah. Sauce Gardner guy, and so when you have a guy like Sauce across from from Kobe Bryant, and he's going to get all the attention. He he looked like he exactly. stepped up, but as you mentioned, you know, Cincinnati being in college and being in the NFL are two different animals. So we'll see what he does, and he'll have to be thrown into the fire sooner rather than later. Again, we're talking with Stacy Joe Ross here, talking all things Seattle Seahawks on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. So. Well, you kind of already answered about the biggest question going into training camp. That's got to be around the quarterback position. Is there a player or two that you have your eye on that you think, you know what, nobody's talking about this player right now, but we could be talking about Ooh. this player by the end of training camp? Oh, that's a really, really good one. I- I'm going to throw this in. I'm Again, I'm, God, I'm just stealing from my co-host now, but he's convinced me on this one because we've been having the same <laughs> conversation. I love this question. I love it. Uh, I'm going to say Noah Fan. It's not a name people don't know, mm. but he, you know, Drew Locke's getting all the attention from that trade, as is obviously Russell Wilson. I mean, of course, the quarterbacks are going to get attention. Um, but Noah Fant has been, has really, really impressed this team. Pete Carroll was really high on him, called him one of the best performance, performers uh, coming out of, uh, of minicamp and OTAs. Um, I think also they didn't take advantage of tight ends. It's always been a weakness of this offense, even when Russell Wilson was at his best. I mean, they had Jimmy Graham didn't know how to use them until they finally were like, hey, put that tall guy in the end zone, and then he got 10 touchdowns. And it's like, wow, lo and behold, Jimmy Graham can post up. That's crazy. Who would have thought this? Basketball background? Um, But then, I mean, you know, he moves on to Green Bay, and um, then they they get kind of like this rotating cast of tight ends who are all kind of okay, but they never turn to them, in part because it's not really Russell Wilson's bread and butter. Like, he's a home run ball kind of guy. Now, with Geno and Drew, you might be able to utilize them a little more. Their offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, is a former tight ends coach from Sean McVay with his time in Washington and L.A. So I would expect Noah Fant not only to be a player that kind of makes his name known in Seattle, but I would expect just the tight end position as a whole that Seattle's offense looks a bit different. So I'm going Noah Fant with this one. Nice. I like it. All right, Stacy. Now, that first game of the season, <laughs> Russell Wilson, he's going to be riding on his horse, and he's going to be coming yes. back to Seattle. What do you he's think ready. the anticipation is going to be for that game? Because I already said at the beginning of the show, he's going to be landing on even extra thick, even cheesier than he already is with his <laughs> oh, emotion of how much he misses Seattle. So what's the anticipation <laughs> going to be like for that first game of the season? That's exactly what he's doing. He's, he's going to come in. People are going to be booing, but you know the broadcast won't be able to hear it. He'll be like, I love the 12, and you're going to hear people like, we hate you. <laughs> it's just... It's, uh, it's, it's highly anticipated. This is the thing that I've been cautioning with Seahawks fans is, uh, first of all, that Russell Wilson has put this franchise, in addition to the Legion of Boom, in addition to Marshawn Lynch and everything they accomplished, on the map in a way that it wasn't before, right? Like, it's, you can't overlook what he's done for the franchise. So, that aside, um, a win over the Broncos doesn't mean that Seattle won the trade <laughs> and that Russell Wilson can't be great. And losing to the Broncos doesn't mean Seattle can't find its answer down the road. And I think that uh, it's highly, highly anticipated here in Seattle. It will not shock you. I don't know how many Seahawks fans are like, yeah, Super Bowl, let's go. So there's a lot of focus on week one <laughs> in a primetime game and how exciting that can be. But I think that I, I just have been cautioning people not to read too much into it because for Denver, this is a big year for them. Moving forward with Russell Wilson and, and facing y'all in the, you know, the uh, AFC West and kind of mm-hmm. what that battle can be. That's going to be fascinating for us to watch from afar, but Seattle has now moved their window by a couple years. So game one is going to be fascinating, but not necessarily put a period at the end of the sentence for 
Seattle's trade. It'll be fun. Monday Night Football, it doesn't get any better than that, right? I mean, like you said, oh, right. everybody will be paying attention. Stacy, great stuff, great breakdown. It's, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, what do you guys got coming up on the show that we should uh, we should be able to look at? Anything that, any features you got coming up? Well, you know, it's going to be uh, some training camp interviews as we get into training camp. Nice. So we're going to be talking a lot with Drew Locke. So keep your eyes peeled to see what he thinks about it and what uh, you know how that quarterback battle goes. Do not rule out Geno Smith. That's the one thing I'll say. Don't rule out Geno Smith in this quarterback battle. Ooh, all right. There you go. Nice little nugget, a little mic drop right there. Stacy. thank you so much <laughs> for your time. We definitely appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Bye. See ya. There she goes. Stacy Joe Ross. Great job right there. Seattle Sports 710. Stacy and Bump is the name of the show that she's on. And uh, love the breakdowns, you know, and, and the question about uh, a player that could be stepping up. And Noah Fant, he's had, always had the hype. He's always had a lot of hype coming out of college and, and all that. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to, to like about Noah Fant. I'm interested to see how he how he takes his game in, in Seattle, especially without a proven quarterback at this point. Drew Locke, eh. Geno Smith, eh. We'll see what happens. But good stuff right there from Stacey. 246 at the time. We'll come back, close out hour number one. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Just got a few minutes left in hour number one. Coming up to start off hour number two of the show, Adam Rank from NFL Network. He'll join the show, and I'm so excited about this conversation. Was very excited to talk to Stacy in the last segment about the Seattle Seahawks as our training camp two-a-days continue. We'll have another one of those coming up at 4 o'clock. Greg Beecham from the AP. He'll join us to talk all things Rams. And then after that, after that, we only have, what, the Patriots? The Steelers and the 49ers. That's it, right? Yep, yep. That's it. So we'll we'll finish off the the regular schedule, 2022 regular schedule for the Raiders and our training camp two a days. We'll finish them off tomorrow. I told you that we were going to get the whole the whole schedule done this week, and no doubt about it, it will be done by the end of the show tomorrow. Matter of fact, little side note, we'll be on from 12 to 4 tomorrow. It's a lot of moving parts going on. A lot of people on vacation. A lot of people just off. I mean, there's a lot going on, so just bear with us as we uh, we get through what we're trying to get through and and get it to the uh, to the training camp, and then we should be full throttle. So, got to shout out Eddie Pascal and uh, Jesse Merrick from uh, News Three. They filled in for JT today as he was off uh, working on some other things he was doing. So he'll be back uh, hopefully on Monday. <laughs> and so, we'll, I mean, again, like I said, it's, it's in July. It's tough to it's tough to have everybody at the station at the same time, only because everyone knows that. Well, football season's right around the corner. Once football season goes or starts comes around, it's really basically impossible to go on vacation. Like there's really no days off. Even when you're off, you're not really off during football season. It's one of those where, you know, you kiss the wife, you kiss the kids and say, Hey, I'll see you in February. Cause Sunday's not even a day off because it's football. Right. Saturday, exactly. maybe you get some sleep that you've been missing out on, on for the week. No, nah, Saturday <laughs> is like preparation day. I mean, you know, there's just so many, so many things going on. Sometimes Saturdays are travel days. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just, you know, there's so much going on. It, it literally, and it's funny because it's such a fun grind, but it is a grind. You know, I, let's make no mistake about it. It's, it's so much fun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything, but man, I'll tell you <laughs> when you know, every single week, that you got this, 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 and you're going here and there, and you really don't have time to take a day off. You really don't. It's uh, it, it becomes something kind of crazy. So uh, you'll see not only here at this radio station, but across the country, radio stations everywhere. There's people just you know on vacation. I mean, hell, I've been doing ESPN National because everyone's on vacation. Everyone's off. 
You know, and then they just they got to get it in while they can get it in. So uh, that's just the nature of the beast. So uh, we appreciate you bearing with us and dealing with us as we have a lot of moving parts going on right now. A lot of different people filling in here that are here and there uh, trying to make everything work. So, again, at 3 o'clock, Adam Rank from NFL Network, he'll join us to talk all things. Uh, his uh, rankings for the, the Raiders as far as what he went through the schedule. He has them at 12 and 5, has Derek Carr in the MVP conversation, and also put out a piece about Super Bowl or bust for uh, the Raiders. And so he'll talk about that as well. Very excited about that conversation. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the Raider Nation. Listen to the line. Who we got up? Raider Rod. Raider Rod, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, y'all? How are you doing today? Hey, we're all right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know that's right. Hey, Q, man, you got to be one of the hardest-working dudes in Vegas, bro. I, I hear you this morning on the radio, and um, to be honest, I, I sought out the show. I had never listened to that show. You mentioned it on your station, and I clicked over, and I had to listen. Um, <clears throat> you are like the gift of gab. I know you probably know about Black Alicious from your time in california growing up there <laughs> yeah buddy. Bro, you are you are the gift of gab man everywhere i hear you it's like gold um i hope the station knows what they got because if i was an exec um i'd be calling you up to those big espn gates in the sky if you know what i'm saying because because <clears throat> you got something special uh, i've listened to the radio for about uh 30 years that i've been out working this construction thing and uh in sports radio, most specifically. And, Raul, I just want to say you are appreciated and appreciated in this Raider Nation. That's it, man. All right, man. Thank, have a good day. Thank you for the call, man. Definitely appreciate you, man. The check's in the mail, too. <laughs> and, and cash it immediately. <laughs> cash it immediately because, hey, look, the wife don't let that money sit for very long. So she might say, hey, you know, it's going to cancel this thing. He didn't say, like, Bristol ESPN campuses. He put it up there, like, heavenly, <laughs> the big ESPN gates. Hey, man, I'll take it. I'll take it. And, uh, again, I'm very blessed to uh, even have an opportunity to do what we do on the daily. It's an awesome job. And, uh, yeah, you know you know when I learned that I had the gift of gab, as he mentioned, is when I was in school, unfortunately. <laughs> when I wasn't supposed to be talking. Yeah, I was talking. <laughs> and I would do anything, honestly. Like, this is so funny. My mom will tell this story. The day you meet my mom, she'll tell you this story, Damon, I promise you. She tells this story all the time because I never was very good at school because it just didn't interest me, right? I'm, I'm one of those people that if I'm not interested, I'm not really going really to apply myself. And that's not a good approach to take, but that was my approach. So we'd be in class, and we're supposed to be quiet and supposed to do our work. Well, I wouldn't really do too much. I'd probably talk to the girls in class or, you know, try to – have fun and clown around a little bit like that. And then all of a sudden the teacher would say, who wants to read out loud? And I was like, oh, I do, I do. And I get mad when they call on someone else. I always got mad. <laughs> I did. Especially when they called PJ. And PJ just had, he had his own problems. And when they called, I would just get mad, right? Because I, I always wanted to read out loud. And so the teacher, when we had a parent-teacher conference, I was like, oh, man, this is going to go bad. <laughs> this is going to be bad. You know, you already know how it's going to go down. And the teacher said, and Miss Myers, he reads beautifully. Like, you know, she goes on. And that was the only compliment she had for me because the rest of it was all bad. He doesn't do his homework. He doesn't pay attention. I mean, you know, it's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's time to put the hand up. Hey, but hey, he'll volunteer to read. <laughs> that's because he wants to talk. And that's what my mom asked me. She said, well, why do you like to read so much? I was like, because I just like to talk. I just like to talk. <laughs> so there you go. So when I went to my high school reunion and people were like, oh, you're on the radio. No shock. No shock at all. Matter of fact, I won a couple of awards in high school for um, uh, most talkative. 
Again, none of these are great. <laughs> none of these are something to, to uh, you know, to hang your head on. No, nope, but that was about. the writing on the wall right there, though. That was the writing on the wall. So, uh, you know, hey, I apologize. The wife is like, get it out at work. Sometimes I'd be talking while I'm laying in bed trying to go to sleep, and I'm up here talking. She's like, haven't you had enough to talk today? Aren't you? Are you done? I don't know how she hangs in there. I really don't.